That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there are no slurs here. Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So there it goes. And the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's, what they, that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello and welcome to another episode of EMJ Live from South Bend, Indiana on a beautiful fall afternoon as the world careens toward Armageddon. Uh, about 15 minutes before our uh, the beginning of our program, the United Nations General Assembly uh, passed a resolution uh, supporting an immediate ceasefire uh, in Gaza. Uh, to the humiliation of the United States of America. The Israeli ambassador immediately jumped up to say it was not binding, uh, but uh, he has become persona non grata there. I don't know whether you've seen this uh, video of uh, the Palestinian Authority representative in uh, the United Nations gives a little speech, everyone applauds. The Israeli gives his speech countering and no one, applauds. The entire world sat on its hands, I presume, including the United States of America. There wasn't a peep out of the entire audience indicating uh, Israel's uh, increasing isolation in this unfolding drama, which seems to be heading toward war. Uh, 
I hope it doesn't, but that seems to be all the indications seem to be uh, heading in that direction. Uh, I'd like to talk about that, why that's going to happen, uh, why that seems to be happening. But before I do that, I'd like to play you a, a clip of something that just happened recently. This is a, a statement by a man by the name of Boz Siegel. He's the head of the Holocaust Studies Association, so he certainly has his dog in that fight. He's not neutral on this issue. Uh, he teaches Holocaust studies at uh, Stockton University, which I think is in New Jersey. Some people misnamed it Stockholm, uh, but it's Stockton University in New Jersey. And this is what he had to say. Um, I think that indeed what we're seeing now in Gaza is a case of genocide. Uh, we have to understand that the UN Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide from 1948 requires that we see special intent for genocide to happen. And to quote the convention, intent to destroy a group as defined as racial, ethnic, religious, or national, as such, that is collectively, not uh, just in individuals. And this intent, as we just heard, is on full display by Israeli politicians and army officers. Since 7th of October, we heard Israel's president. Uh, we It's well known what Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said on 9th of October, declaring a complete siege on Gaza, cutting off water, food, fuel, stating that we're fighting human animals and we will react accordingly. He also said that we will eliminate everything. We know that Israeli army spokesperson uh, Daniel Hagari, for example, acknowledged when tune destruction and said explicitly the emphasis is on damage and not on accuracy. So we're seeing this special intent on full display. And really, I have to say, if this is not special intent to commit genocide, I really don't know uh, um, what is. אנחנו מטילים מצור מוחלט על העיר עזה. אין חשמל, אין מזון, אין מים, אין דלק. הכל סגור. אנחנו נלחמים בחיות אדם ואנחנו נוהגים בהתאם. Now, you know, if the head of the Holocaust Studies program uh, is calling uh, the Israeli action in Gaza genocide, uh, how does the rest of the world feel? To, the, to his credit, uh, this is an Israeli. The Israelis are much more open to criticizing their government than the Jews over here are, primarily because they're the ones who are suffering under this thing. Uh, but it only underscores what I've been trying to say for uh, a long time now, which is basically that the Holocaust is being used to justify genocide in Gaza because the Holocaust can be used to justify anything. And because the, the man who is responsible for diplomacy in the United States of America, namely the uh, Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, shows up in, uh, in uh, Israel, and the first thing he says is, uh, I come to you not as the Secretary of State of the United States of America, but also as a Jew, and that's prelude to saying what he invariably says anytime you put a microphone in front of his mouth, and he will say, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. This is the purpose of the Holocaust narrative. It is to justify criminal behavior. It's been this way from the beginning. If it, by the beginning, we're talking about the beginning of the state of Israel. This is, it, it has never been anything other than that. 
it has been the justification in 1948 for the ethnic cleansing of Deir Yassin and uh, the murder of the men, over 100 people in that village. It's the justification for the saturation bombing of the most densely populated area on the face of the earth. And it can justify anything you, you, you want to justify, as I pointed out, even the trucker strike in uh, a retaliation against the trucker strike in Canada. Now, the problem here, the fundamental problem here is that no one is able to talk. And I've said this before on a minor scale, but uh, in regard to that uh, shooting, uh, Tree of Life Synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh at the height of the uh, ban hate speech campaign that the ADL was waging at that point, uh, which is that if you're not allowed to talk, uh, you are you, if you're prohibiting people from talking, you are promoting violence. It's that simple. And here we have it on a global scale. We have a group of people who cannot talk, who cannot negotiate, who cannot come to some meeting of the minds with people they disagree with. Anyone they disagree with is Amalek. Uh, they are immediately anti-Semites if, if they disagree with you. And once you categorize them as anti-Semites, any action against them is justifiable. And if you thought that that was an exaggeration before, uh, just check out what's happening in Gaza right now. The head of the Holocaust Studies Association is calling it genocide. The problem, let, let me give you an example of this type of attitude in action right now. This is another clip. This is an interview between an English journalist and uh, some Israeli diplomat. I'm not exactly sure who it is, but uh, just listen to what happens here. Why should the world tolerate you having nuclear weapons and not, say, Iran? First, again, we never uh, admitted to have such a weapons, but... The very comparison is, I must say, it's very insulting, and I tell you why. We suffered one Holocaust. We listened to our neighbors. Is it because of the Holocaust that you should be allowed to have nuclear weapons? You know what? This interview was finished now. Your attitude is so hostile, and your questions are so arrogant. I don't want to speak is it the case anymore. That is it because of the Holocaust that you're allowed to have nuclear weapons? <laughs> Seems like a fair question to me. If you can have nuclear weapons, he says to the Israeli, uh, why can't Iran have nuclear weapons? And he looks at him and he's stunned. He doesn't know what to say. He's like a deer in the headlights. This is a goy who has the, the temerity to ask me a question which I find insulting. And so I'm going to warn him once. That's an insulting question. And then when he persists, he gets up and walks out. Now, how can you talk to people like this? If you can't talk to people like this, we are, we are heading toward violence. It's obvious. There's a, a, an inverse relationship between logos and violence. Logos is what we are as human beings. We are rational creatures. If you thwart our nature as rational creatures, you will promote violence of the worst sort. And that's precisely what's going on here uh, in Gaza. War is inevitable if you can't talk. War is inevitable. It, how can you ask for a ceasefire if you can't talk to the people? This, again, uh, this, this is characteristic 
of this group of people because uh, I, I've, I, because of their rebellion against Logos. I wrote the Jewish revolutionary spirit to define this issue, and the issue remains as I defined it. No one has ever challenged it. When the Jews, uh, when the Jews killed Christ, they uh, attacked the Logos incarnate. They killed the Logos incarnate. When they, uh, at that point, they became, they, they were, uh, set themselves in opposition to the Logos of the universe because he had created that universe according to that Logos. And when you do that, you become a revolutionary. And when you become a revolutionary, you, uh, your purpose in life is to overthrow the social order. And that's what the Jews have been doing for 2,000 years. And now it's become so obvious to the entire world that nobody can avoid this discussion anymore. We have to have this discussion now because the fate of humanity hangs in the balance. Does that sound overly dramatic to you? Doesn't sound that way to me. We now have uh, four U.S. carrier groups heading toward, or two of them are already there, two more are heading toward the eastern uh, Mediterranean. Uh, it looks as if one is going to try and make it into the Persian Gulf. Uh, that is a suicide mission, fellas. We know that because Vladimir Putin has already said that the, these aircraft carriers are within range of the Kinjal missiles that are hanging from MiGs that are flying over the Black Sea. The Kinjal missile can sink an aircraft carrier. One Kinjal missile can sink one aircraft carrier. We have reached a moment in military history where the aircraft carrier, which was the defining weapon of World War II along with the tank, has become obsolete and has become a sitting duck. And now these people who uh, can't talk to anyone else are now threatening to unleash their Tomahawk cruise missiles, our Tomahawk, wait a minute, America's Tomahawk cruise missiles uh, on Iran. So once again, the United States is being dragged into a war for Israel. But this one looks like the really big war. This looks like World War III. How many wars are we going to fight for the state of Israel? Are we going to jeopardize our entire nation? The existence of our nation, the further existence, this is not drama here. I'm just stating the situation as it exists right now. Everyone is talking about apocalyptic, an apocalyptic turning point in human history right now because of the consequences and because you have people uh, either who are in incapable of grasping the gravity of the situation. And in that category, I would certainly put Joe Biden. Uh, uh, people combined with people who uh, are fanatically, fanatically committed to a war based on, based on suicidal premises. Now, I don't know whether you remember uh, Ben Shapiro, the great conservative who now shows himself to be a raving proponent of genocide. But when, uh, when, um, Ben Shapiro tries to cite his credentials as a child of Moses. Uh, he mentions a peculiar incident. He mentions Masada. Do you, do you know what Masada was? Masada was the result. Jesus Christ warned the Jews, uh, you're, you're in for a bad time. 
okay? You see that temple? That temple is going to be destroyed, and it will be destroyed at some time in the near future. Well, it was. The Romans destroyed that temple. At that point, the Jews had no priesthood, no sacrifice, and no temple. They could not expiate sin anymore, and they became burdened with guilt in a way that became intolerable. And so 33 years after the death of Christ, they rise up against Rome, and Rome crushes them, and these people escape. I'm talking about the Jewish revolutionaries. They escape from Jerusalem, and they climb up to the top of this uh, plateau, this uh, mountain uh, called Masada, and there they uh, take their stand, their final stand. No, it wasn't even that. They didn't take a final stand against the Romans. They killed themselves. Now, this is, has a moment of Jewish history which resonates with the mind of Ben Shapiro because he brought it up. I think it resonates with the entire, the mind of the Jewish people. And I think I've said this before, but uh, we are in a situation uh, where they are haunted uh, by specters. Ein Gespenst geht durch Europa. Europe is haunted by a specter. A specter is haunting Europe. Karl Marx said it was communism. I'm saying a specter is haunting Israel right now. And it's the idea which was articulated by uh, former Premier, Prime Minister Ehud Barak that no Jewish kingdom has lasted longer than 80 years. That's the specter that's haunting Israel. The proximate cause of uh, Al-Aqsa flood the uh, Hamas attack on Israel, uh, which began this whole mess, was the Jewish invasion of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, which is their way, the Jews' way of saying they want to tear it down, and they want to tear it down because they want to rebuild their temple, and they want to rebuild their temple. The mosque is built on the foundation of the temple that was the Romans destroyed. They want to rebuild that temple because for 2,000 years their guilt has been building up and they have no other way of expiating sin. And now I think that this specter that I talked about is telling him you got five years at most, five years, and then God's going to pull the plug on your Jewish kingdom. So Bolshevism, communism, the Jewish kingdom that the Jews, that the Bolsheviks erected in Russia— lasted less than 80 years. We could go into other other uh, stories. Uh, Barack is haunted by the what he calls the curse of 80 years. This is what what you see now is a sense of apocalyptic desperation among the Jews who have to be burdened by guilt because look at the, their behavior. Look at their behavior during the entire existence of the state of Israel. It's been nothing but murder and ethnic cleansing and theft from the beginning all the way to the present time. They haven't changed. It's impossible to talk to them. Every time someone makes an agreement with them, they renege on the agreement because they do not believe in Logos, which is what I said in my book. And now I'm being proven to be the prophet once again because this is the endgame scenario that's unfolding before our eyes. Now, I still think that God has a plan. I'm not sure what it is at this point, uh, but uh, I think it entails the end of the uh, this Jewish kingdom. It looks to me as if it's a very fragile operation. That was the message I derived from this Operation uh, uh, Al-Aqsa flood. 
the fence that was impenetrable got penetrated, the most uh, sophisticated intelligence operation in the Middle East and maybe the world was completely clueless about what was brewing uh, uh, for them. This is all brewing on the horizon. Uh, I stand by what I said. If you prohibit Logos, you're going to have violence. That seems to be how we're heading. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Hello there, everybody. Uh, happy Friday. Um, this is uh, Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, this is the section of the show where we get questions uh, from you guys. Uh, Collins are made via our Telegram channel. Link in descriptions. Uh, in Telegram, I'll raise on those who raise their hand. Uh, and then later in the stream, we'll read off uh, questions from the chat. Um, quick chat rules for anyone who's new. Uh, try to keep questions on subject. Try to keep to one questions. Be respectful of time and definitely do not forget to unmute yourself. I unmute you and then you unmute yourself. Okay, jump into the Telegram chat here on my end. Let's start with Daniel Stone. Go ahead, Daniel. Afternoon, Dr. Jones. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I, I just, uh, I've been thinking of, you know, my, my parents are in the, the boomer generation. And um, I've been trying to wake them up over the last few years about the reality of the Israeli political state and its uh, differentiation uh, from the biblical nation of Israel, because they seem to be think that they're tied at the hip. Um, you know, I think that most of the 80s and 90s uh, televangelists, of whom both my parents are seem to be still deeply connected to, um, have, have basically put so many Westerners, particularly Americans, uh, I, I think who are good hearted into a trance state. And I so your, pa your, parent, are, uh, your parents are Christian Zionists who were influenced by people like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson during the 1980s. Is that what you're saying? Um, I would say that to a degree, yes. I, I think it's simply because they've never been shown anything else. So it's kind of like what they were automatically kind of bathed in since uh, you know their formative years. And uh, myself, having grown up in that, but always feeling kind of like there's something missing here. Kind of there's a, I've always sensed that there was, you know, like, I'm not getting the full story. So doing my own research and I've been like, well, I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I'm just trying to share you with some, something with you, but they've, they're almost violently against it. And I know many of others who are in my age bracket um, who have come to the same conclusion because we have done some of our own research. We're like, why would why would we support these people? You know, when you look back through history and you know, uh, Levon affair and other things that have influenced Western governments directly. Uh, right. By, by the by the way, just to, just to have a gloss on that, it turns out that this uh, whole operation uh, at the beginning the the uh, was another example of the Levon affair. People who are coming forward, Israelis are coming forward and say that the the indiscriminate response of the Israelis at that music festival, for example, where they brought a tank in uh, and started firing at the people, uh, the, the Israelis are responsible for the Israelis who died. That's yep. completely consistent with the Levon affair, which is basically where the Israelis blew up a synagogue to create panic among Jews to drive them into the state of Israel. So uh, yep. they're they're saying now that this is the policy, basically the hostage policy among the Israelis. They will, if there's hostages being held, they will kill the Israelis. 
They will kill the hostages because they want to make a strong impression on the people who took the hostages. They'll kill the hostage takers as well. So this is the type of uh, situation that is coming out now, now that the, the uh, fog of war is settling a little bit on what happened a week or so ago. Yep. Well, and, and, and I'll finish up with this. Uh, thank you for your time. But, the, you know, it, I wanted to find out if there's any way that you, you know, from someone, you know, I think you're in my similar age bracket to my parents and my parents being 69 and 70. Is there any way that I can, um, you know, other than prayer for understanding on their side? Because I, I don't think they're, you know, just throwing my opinion aside. But I think they're they're like it's it flies so far in the face. It's almost the complete opposite of what they've been told for so many years. That, you know, it's like when you're you know when you're presented with something that's completely different than what your your understanding or have been led to believe by, you know, Christian Zionist, uh, you know, TBN and things like that. You know, live broadcasting from the Holy Land. Um, and it, it just makes my skin crawl whenever I'm at their house and I see the, the TV blasting late at night and my dad kind of zoning out. You know, he doesn't zone out in front of football, but he certainly zones out in front of TBN. Yeah, and, well, that's, um, that's the problem with television. That's why people should not watch television. But, um, I mean, yeah. I, w- I would continue. Uh, yeah, sure, prayer is the, uh, a good option, but I would continue to talk to them, and I would bring up, uh, like, why, that video that I showed you at the beginning. What are they going to say to that? This is uh, an Israeli who is saying that the Israelis are committing genocide. Is he an anti-Semite? Does he, is he a Holocaust denier? He's the head of the Holocaust Conference or co- whatever it is, their, their brotherhood. Uh, so those explanations do not apply. And maybe uh, at some point the light will break through all of this haze and, and you'll have a meeting in the minds. Yeah, well, hopefully so and hopefully soon. But thank you for your time, sir. You're welcome. Okay, next we're going to uh, a Patrick C. Uh, go ahead, Patrick. Good uh, day, Dr. Jones. Yes. I had, oh, I had uh, sent you an email regarding William Cooper. Jemmo uh, Doherty had right. mentioned. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I watched that was the first time I heard about William Cooper uh, when Gemma played that, that clip. So uh, if, I thank you for uh, giving me some leads there about how to find more about him. I was just listening to his old show on the ADL from 1994, and he was discussing how the ADL was instrumental in causing the Civil War. It also is instrumental in our public school system being wait, wait, stop, created. stop. He, are you talking about the American Civil War? Yes, Benai Brith. It couldn't have. Well, oh, all right, because the ADL didn't come into existence until not the ADL. Nineteen thirteen. Yeah, okay. Benet Brith is different. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and Albert Pike and and various other Freemasonic uh, organizations back then, but not. But as far as the current um, state of affairs, yes, um, our our public school system was created through the Masons suing to have public funds for public schools and mandating that people go to that all Catholics. It was the end of the parochial school uh, system that we had they, as look, Catholics. I, I, I know the story somewhat because uh, Bill Ball, the lawyer for the Pennsylvania Congress, fought that uh, for that right 
the parent parents, uh, the government is committed now. The parents are the primary educators. And that was the Supreme Court that I wish I remembered the name of it, but it had to do with the Amish. The Amish did not want to send their children to public school. And he fought for the right and he won. So it's now enshrined in the Constitution. The parents are the primary educators. And we in the state of Indiana are now reaping the benefit of this because uh, uh, private schools, especially Catholic schools, are thriving here because you can get voucher money and send your kids there. And so they can pay uh, the teacher a decent wage and they don't bankrupt the uh, the parents uh, by doing that. Yeah. So back to William Cooper, he he was what was considered the head of the biggest militia movement in America at the time. And he was instrumental. He was he, in. Well, anyway, he, at, he was the cutting edge of reporting on things like Ruby Ridge and Waco and the Oklahoma City bombing. And all of those had ties with the ADL involving themselves in it mm. and implicating Nazi white supremacists as culprits and, and that sort of thing. By, um, by the way, anyway, yeah, thank you. Thank you for go, bringing go that on. up. But by, uh, by the way, yeah. uh, the ADL, <laughs> God bless them. Yeah. The ADL just yeah. came out and said, those uh, demonstrations, those uh, demonstrations in New York against the incursion of Gaza were full of white supremacists. <laughs> and at this point, the fact checker called yeah. them. The fact checker broke in and said, no, there were no white supremacists. It was all Muslims uh, defending Palestinians. So even the, well, even the, 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 the uh, ADL got slapped down by the fact checkers. Well, the military... According to Cooper and the, the back, I used to listen to him back in when he was on shortwave before he was killed, and just like the month after 2001, the 9/11 attacks. But he he was reporting about, and these were like documentaries on the say like the Navy SEALs being used as assassination teams rather than upholding the rule of law and going after legitimate military targets they're being used as uh, assassination teams to go kill kill people contras down in uh colombia right. all over the world really okay so thank you I'll, I'll leave it at that but thank you thank you for bringing it up yeah god bless all right moving on here let's go to our friend luis alvarez primo go ahead luis luis are you there, Louise? Don't forget to unmute if you're trying to talk. You there, Louise? All right, we'll, we'll come. We'll come right back to you. Maybe your uh, mic's not working or something. All right. Um, let's jump to Vivas. Vivas. Go ahead. Vivas. Or Vivas. Don't forget to unmute. Okay, Dr. John, good night. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, here uh, in Brazil, we have a strong evangelical movement promoting Israel and its defense. As far as I know, this is very recent and it's had gained in proportions in recent years to the point of its defense by politicians, newspapers, and primate figures in the evangelical environment. Uh, Dr. Jones, can you tell me the reason behind this, uh, this instance? Well, uh, first of all, uh, 
I think it goes back to Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller was in head of Latin American affairs for the government. He ended up being the governor of New York, uh, obviously one of the richest men in the world. And one of his projects was basically int int introducing Protestantism to South America. Uh, the reason back then was because Protestants approved contraception and the Catholic Church didn't. Uh, so uh, if you get people to become Protestants, then they will use contraception, and that way uh, we won't have to worry about having them too many, too many children and threatening the hegemony of um, uh, the United States of America over the rest of the world. Uh, it's been a consistent mm -hmm. policy to promote this. I was personally, I was trying to collaborate with the evangelicals in the 90s, working with uh, Pat Robertson's group down in Virginia Beach. I remember being there, and he arrived... Uh, and he said, I just got off the plane. I just got back from the Philippines. We're bringing Jesus Christ to the Philippines. And everybody cheered. And I said, wait a minute, aren't you about 500 years too late? What is this Jesus Christ to the Philippines? They were all Sp a Spanish colony named after Philip II. And that's how they got Catholicism. So this is not not a new story. But my, my question is uh, to you is, I, I know that Bolsonaro was a Zionist, but d does that change now that Lula is now the uh, uh, president? So uh, Lula is very pro-Palestine uh, and uh, Palestinians. Then it's very difficult because You have, in, in a way, um, Lula tends to look uh, to this question, defending the rights of the Palestinians, but but no, uh, our diplomatic fears they are more moderate in this question. Okay. Because I know Lula is working now with Putin, uh, with these resolutions at the United Nations, trying to get some type of ceasefire going. I've I've off, I've said before that the tragedy of um, Brazilian politics is you've got a, 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 one of the largest Catholic nation in the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, swinging back and forth between communism and neoconservatism, or uh, uh, both of which are, are Jewish ideologies. That's the tragedy, but. At some point, someone's going to have to articulate the Catholic position and get elected uh, in Brazil, so you can you know, represent the 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 interest and rights uh, interest of the people of Brazil. Anyway, thank thank you for calling. Yes, thank you. Good. Okay, let's try Louise again. Are you there, Louise? Louise. Louise. Hit. Can you hit the unmute button in the center if you're using a phone? You gotta unmute yourself. Hello, hello. Uh, Can Luis, you hear me? Luis, I hear you. Welcome. Dear Mike, how yeah, are you? What's good. a pleasure to listen to you. Yeah, the pleasure to hear, hearing your voice. It's a pleasure. Luis was my guide through Argentina. Uh, Luis is the translator of my books into Spanish. They're much better in Spanish because of his brilliance. Uh, but we're <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, Mike, as you know, Argentina was one of the places Theodore Herzl uh, thought of settling down Israel uh, uh, as an alternative to Palestine. They didn't do it 
But Argentina is a land taken by the Jews, by the Zionists, and uh, we have a reflection of that in the <laughs> present uh, elections that have taken place. The three candidates were committed Zionists, two of them truly fanatic. So Argentina is utterly and thoroughly controlled by them. It is actually enslaved and colonized. Yeah, now, now you, well, when, when I went there, yes. you, you uh, it's, uh, next to New York City, uh, uh, Buenos Aires has more Jews than any other place in the Western Hemisphere. Is that right? Absolutely, indeed. Actually, also, the Jews managed to uh, manipulate uh, Pope Bergoglio into the papacy, and that's one of the tragedies of the Catholic world. Uh, nevertheless, it was interesting that uh, they, they don't pay traitors uh, because, as you mentioned recently, uh, Bergoglio was uh, told off by, by the Jews when they, they, asked, they told him not to establish um, false parallelisms between uh, the victims and uh, and the, the, the and and the Israelis. Yeah, uh, the, the Israelis and the and the, the the Hamas. Yeah, he got in trouble. Yeah, that that was got, very interesting. He got in trouble with the Jews before that by by giving his explanation of the Paul's epistle to the Galatians. They didn't like that either. So someone someone's falling down on the job over there at the Vatican. They're going to have to brief him better on what he needs to say to stay in their favor. So I, I also would like briefly to comment that uh, Jewish revolutionary spirit has done a lot of good to the Argentine people and to the Hispanic world, and it will continue to do so as long as the, the problem remains. Now, I would like you to comment on, the, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and Logos, is, as you say, as you have proven, is always rising. And the, 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 chain, the, the, the power axis, the axis of power in the world, in the geopolitics, has changed now. And it seems that uh, Russia and China are leading this change. And there is a, 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 an amazing uh, contrast between the, imper uh, the, the Anglo-American imperialism and this new a multipolar world that is being developed. What could you, can you comment on that? Yeah, sure, you're right. I think this is the uh, the uh, movement of Logos in human history. I, I mean, if you go go to Hegel, he would say that uh, the overweening, uh, uh, the arrogance of the Americans joined up with the Israelis. The Americans got the leadership class here, has a bad case of the Jewish revolutionary spirit. They, they've turned uh, America into this messianic nation that has a right to rule over the world. It looks as if America is going to go to war for Israel. Uh, it looks as if they're, they're, they're Americans may once again die for the Jews uh, in their latest war. But the consciousness is rising. Nothing happens without consciousness. And just by way of comparison, if you took it the way, the way the United Nations is talking now, as opposed to 1967, I mean, that was a long time ago, but uh, I was, what, 19 years old in 1967? But I remember uh, how the, the Israelis were valorized at that point as, as kind of 
freedom, the, the little guy, the, the David standing up to Goliath or something like that. Those days have changed. And I don't see how they're ever going to they're ever going to get back to that. They don't have the time to do it anymore. Now, how how we get through the next month uh, is the crucial issue. But I think Indeed. I think no matter what happens, the Israelis have lost the moral high ground that they had Indeed. in 1967, and that moral high ground came from the Holocaust, and they have just. They have ruined their own action. They have overplayed their hand. They have said one too many times, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, and nobody is seeing this. Not even the head of the Holocaust Association says that this is an excuse for this behavior, this genocidal behavior in Gaza. So that's all positive. How we get through the next three weeks is something that God knows, and we can pray for a peaceful outcome. Indeed. Father Julio Menviel, Father Julio Menviel, Father Castellani, who uh, warned the world about the Jewish question, uh, among others, will be very happy in heaven about the wonderful work that you have died, done to enlighten us all, to enlighten the world, and your wonderful book, The Holocaust Narrative, will do also a lot of good. Thank you, Thank you Mike, again. Thank All you. the best. Thank you, Luis. Thank you, Luis. It's, it's an honor to be associated with those brave uh, men that, that uh, Luis mentioned. And if, I, if my books, if, my, if his translation of my books into Spanish has, has reignited the, uh, the dialogue that should be taking place about the Jewish question in Argentina and the Spanish-speaking world, then... Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. All right. Cool. Let's uh, keep going here. Um, I think we're going to do like one, one or two more questions, and then we're going to go to the chat. So you guys in Cozy Rumble Odyssey everywhere start texting those chats in, and we'll get you soon. Let's go to Martin. Go ahead, Martin. Uh, hey, doctor? Yes, Hello. Yeah, thank you, Doctor. Uh, we just uh, heard that uh, there are four uh, submarines that uh, are uh, Israeli submarines that are uh, headed to uh, Iran, perhaps with uh, nuclear uh, weapons. We don't know. Do and, I know? Uh, the bottom line is that the, Do well, I... we don't know, but, but very likely the, the bottom line is that those submarines were a, a gift. They're, they're not. Uh, was they were not even. Sailed by, by, but they were given away by Angela Merkel. And when they asked her, why did you give those submarines to the Israeli people? And she said, well, you know what we did, you know, referring to the Holocaust. And uh, the bottom line, the question I wanted to ask you is if uh, the Germans, uh, uh, you live there, does the Germans are aware that uh, you cannot give those kind of toys to some crazy guy uh, that's my question yeah that's a an important question um 
you're right. I lived there. I'm telling you, when I lived there, there were. Uh, this was not the situation of today. When I was, I was there from 1973 to 1976. I knew men who had been in the Wehrmacht. Uh, Paul Frost was uh, in the Wehrmacht. He had spent till 1953 in a, a Russian gulag, a prison, a prisoner of war camp. These, I think that part of what was the reality then was if anybody said something as ridiculous as is now being said, there were people who went through it and they, they, they would, would not go along with it. There were a large segment of that population at that time who had been educated before World War II and so were not indoctrinated by social engineering. As those people died off, the social engineering kicked in with a vengeance and that's why we have people like like Angela Merkel, uh, who makes who, who looks like a, 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 a great diplomat. She looks like a Pericles compared to Annalena Baerbock, uh, who declares, oh, by the way, we're at war with Germany, uh, off the cuff. Uh, and, and she makes, uh, uh, she looks uh, dignified compared to Olaf Scholz, who can't even ask who blew up the pipeline. This is a tragic situation. I have thought about it for a long time. I have uh, uh, a part of the explanation is in Logos Rising, part of it is in uh, the Holocaust narrative, but uh, this is a group of people that have been corrupted by the sexual form of social engineering. And so they talk about German guilt as the cause of handing over the submarine. And I agree with them. There is German guilt, but it's not about the so-called Holocaust. It's about the corruption of their sexual morals that the Jews initiated when they took over the country and became the people that were the social engineers. This is vengeance, Jewish vengeance on the German people. The main, the most deadly form of Jewish vengeance was not the Morgenthau plan, which ended relatively shortly, even though he tried to starve the Germans to death. The Marshall Plan was more deadly because it allowed a, a veneer of, uh, of prosperity to cover over sexual moral corruption that is the real source of German guilt. And as I've said, is sexual liberation is a form of control. If anybody ever doubts that, look at what happened to the German people. Now, this is not inevitable. It's not forever. It's not a curse. Those German people can regain their independence the minute they go back to the Catholic Church. And I'm not talking about the bureaucrats who are running this ridiculous synod who want to have their cake and eat it too, who are trying to change the church uh, to conform to American social engineering. I'm talking about a sincere conversion. I'm talking to people, you know, Germans, uh, you know, privately, because you can't talk publicly because they'll throw you in jail. And instead of moderating here, instead of coming to their senses, the Germans always have this Jewish tendency of doubling down. And so what we saw in most recent instance was uh, basically police, the, the, the Gestapo, the modern day Gestapo, I hope. I hope this doesn't offend anybody over there. But basically, the police coming in and arresting anyone who displays a Palestinian flag in uh, public space, anywhere in Berlin, uh, anywhere in Germany, in Berlin in particular. This would, this would be inconceivable to the generation I knew in the 1970s, that they would go full Gestapo on their own people again. 
without recognizing any of the ironies here or without recognizing the fact that uh, those submarines that uh, the Germans provided to the Israelis are most probably targeting German cities among other places uh, and they have no idea of what they've done, how they got into this. I hope that they come to their senses sooner rather than later. You're welcome. Okay, good, uh, good question there, good answer. And we got about 10, 15 minutes left. We're going to jump to questions from the chat. Okay, so there was this question that Dr. Jones got from a friend via email. We're going to read that one off first. Um, <clears throat> Hi, I'm from Texas and raising a 9-year-old, soon-to-be 10-year-old. Her, her mother is captured by the Jewish revolutionary spirit. How do I discuss this with my daughter at an appropriate age level? And how did Dr. Jones deal with the JQ and his children? Needing, needing advice uh, explaining this concept. Thank you. Okay, first of all, uh, my children were pretty much grown. They weren't the age of your children when I finally got involved in the Jewish question. They were all much older than that, so I never had to have this type of discussion. It was an adult discussion, uh, and uh, it took place, you know, uh, mostly when they were all married. Some of them, uh, I think everybody understands what I'm saying, you know. Uh, but uh, in this instance, let's go back to your instance. Um, you're Texas, you're living in Texas, the state of John Hagee. I'm assuming that you're a Christian. I'm assuming that you have religious services. If you were Catholic, it would be more pointed because at Easter time, I'm not sure what kind of services you have at Easter. I assume that you read the gospel at Easter during your services. And if you read the gospel, you are being exposed to the drama, the, this great drama of how the Jewish people turned on their Messiah. Now, if you're, if you take your daughter to those services, I'm sure a nine or 10 year old can understand the drama of the situation. And that would provide you with an opportunity to talk about, well, who are these people? Who are these people called the Jews? What's a Jew? What does that mean? Why did the Jews turn on their Messiah? Why did they do that? What, this is a question, it should be in even a child's mind if uh, they attend this liturgy. I'm saying, uh, now, I don't, again, I don't know enough about your situation to know whether you do that, whether you, how explicit it is, whether you're going to John Hagee's church, he's in San Antonio, but are you going, is your wife going to something similar? You could have a similar discussion with your wife, uh, presum who presumably also reads the scripture, since that's what Protestants do. And just the simple sense of the the documents, uh, let's say, try to wean her away from the Schofield Bible and the footnotes in that Bible, but just have a simple discussion about the simple facts of the situation. Uh, I don't see, uh, I think it's uh, a child should understand it if you take it in that regard, but deal with it what, however you deal with it. Deal with it in a religious context, because that's the only way you're going to understand it uh, fully and effectively anyway. From Kingfish AF on Cozy, Dr. Jones, uh, where will all the Jews go once the state of Israel is abolished? The Ukraine. Oh, wait a minute. They're going to lose that war, too. Wait a minute. This is part of the, the pan. Where are we going to go now? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. What, they, they'll go to Germany. 
a lot of Jews have returned to Germany because all they have to do is say, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, and the Germans will do anything, anything. It's uh, Pizar, uh, the, fa the stepfather of the Secretary of State, uh, has an incident in his memoir where he's playing ping pong with a German. Pow. And he's working up a sweat, so he takes off his jacket, rolls up his sleeves, and the German sees the tattoo, and he says, oh, no. Oh, no. And he, so you can win a ping pong. The tattoo will help you win a ping pong. You can, uh, if a cop stops you in Sturgis, Michigan, tell him you have relatives who died in the Holocaust. This is the, the lesson that Blinken learned from his uh, stepfather, who, by the way, committed adultery with his mother, which, uh, wait a minute, we're not going to talk about that. Um, that's the lesson that, 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 that he learned, and that's the lesson that everybody learns from this type of thing. So that's the situation. Next question from a Telegram. This is a bit of an odd one, and I don't know, um, but uh, so that's why I want to ask it. From John Wong, can Dr. Jones explain why Mary Poppins is an anti-feminist movie? Is that something you said before? Yeah, I did say that. Oh, okay. Because it is. Uh, what should I say? The, uh, the, the, the mother of the children is a suffragette, and the suffragettes are made to look ridiculous. Uh, it's anti-careerist, like the father's career blows up. They don't have any money, but they're happy because, you know, and, and it's Mary Poppins who, who brings this whole thing about uh, in, in her role as a nanny. So I, I think it's obvious. If you watch the movie, it's, it's, it's obvious. Nice movie. From Frank C., a question. Can China challenge Jewish power and what, it, uh, and what would it mean for the future of the United States? Yes, uh, it's already challenging Jewish power because basically the, there is a de facto, maybe de jure, I don't know, but uh, certainly a de facto alliance now between Russia, China, Iran, and uh, North Korea. And the main uh, focus up until now was the Ukraine. They were going to support the, uh, the North Korea sent a, a, a million, uh, 150 millimeter shells to uh, Russia. So they're collaborating in that war. But now it's obvious that they're going to collaborate in the battle over Israel and Gaza. The, they have already done joint military uh, operation, naval operations in the, the Persian Gulf. Uh, I don't know where they did in the Red Sea, but they are co going to coordinate intelligence. And the adults in the room at the Pentagon better take this seriously. I don't see anyone in the Biden administration taking it seriously, but apparently um, the Pentagon sent a general over to Israel to try and dissuade them from going into the, to the tunnels. Right now, it sounds as if the tunnel operation has started. This is a red line for the Islamic world. It's too soon to tell. As, as uh, Cho and Lai said about the French Revolution from the Chinese perspective, it's too soon to tell uh, whether it's good or bad. It's too soon to tell how this, how this is playing out right now. But it, it looks as if, if, if this, the, tr the possible scenario is if, if the Israelis go into the tunnels, then Hezbollah gets involved. If Hezbollah gets involved, 
then the United States is going to hold Iran responsible. If Iran is responsible, then the, the Lindsey Grahams in the world, uh, in the administration uh, or in the Congress, are going to feel justified in firing missiles at their oil refineries. If that happens, it's going to be an all-out war. And the first, uh, um, uh, the first group to suffer in this war severely will be the Israelis. That's why the Israelis uh, are more, in many ways, more interested in peace than the American Congress right now. Uh, we don't know the full implications or the full scenario of where this is going to lead, which is always why, why it's dangerous to get involved in a war. The World War I is the classic example of a, a situation that no one could have conceived of when this thing started when it was uh, orchestrated by Winston Churchill? Did he know that uh, an entire generation of Englishmen was going to be extinguished in the trenches over there? No, he did not know that because only God knows the future. So I, I, I'm hoping that wiser heads will prevail. I'm hoping that the rule of law will prevail. I'm hoping that the United Nations will prevail. But uh, I have to be honest, I don't see anyone in the Biden administration who is capable of talking talking, negotiating, just being honest about the situation. Let's just sit down. Let's try and stop the killing. I don't see anyone there capable of doing this. And so when that's the case, I fear I see violence just over the horizon. Um, let's see. A uh, question from Dr. Dan, uh, Dr. Jones. What can the Pope do to help bring peace to the Middle East? Um. The Pope is unfortunately in a kind of weakened situation because uh, because of his intemperate pronouncements. He has kind of uh, lost the authority that the papacy had under previous popes. And so his ability to deal with this is limited. But on the other hand, um, anything he could do would, would be a help. Whether he can do anything, that, that's, that's the big question. I, there are moments of opportunity. I said that uh, Benedict should have gone to Iran when the situation was tractable and showed some type of concern for the Iranian people. Uh, uh, as I said, I've told this story before. I was, they were asking me this when I was in Qualm. And, and I said, but I don't think he will do that because based on that Regensburg speech he made, I don't think he really likes Muslims. And then I said, but he won't be Pope forever. And by the time we got back to Tehran, he had resigned and people were saying Jones is a prophet. Uh, I, I see mo mo moments of opportunity then. I don't, see much, I don't see much opportunity now because the you know, once the trains start rolling, it's hard to get them to stop. Or once the aircraft, it's hard to turn an aircraft carrier around. Um, okay, from a user on Cozy, Dr. Jones, is uh, the Washington establishment bought by money and blackmail? Isn't every establishment bought by money and blackmail? Uh, yes, yes, certainly money. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll expand this I, question. Is it, is it money and blackmail or is it money or blackmail? Are some just money and others just blackmail? I guess that's kind of I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, let's go back to the, the how this developed classically. So every big city in Europe had Jews who were waiting to prey on uh, impecunious uh, landed aristocrats. 
so they had land, but land is not money. How do you translate land into money? So these young men would go to a place like Paris or Budapest or any of these attractive capitals where there's all kinds of stuff to do. And they'd immediately start showing them around to have a good time, which meant uh, prostitutes. And like the man in the Bible who squandered his money on prostitutes, you end up uh, bank, you end up with empty pockets. And at that point, the Jew who's always willing to accommodate comes and says to you, uh, I can lend you some money. Don't worry about it. We, the party can go on. And so now you've got the man doubly enslaved. Now, we know from uh, Jewish operations like Jeffrey Epstein and Hugh Hefner, who was the only goy in the whole Playboy operation, uh, they uh, are invariably involved in blackmail. So Hugh Hefner had a camera in every single room of the Playboy Mansion, and he would uh, the prominent people who would be invited there uh, would be filmed engaging in sexual activity. The same thing with Deb, Je Jeffrey Epstein. Same thing. That was the purpose of it. It's a Jewish operation. Jews do this type of thing. They're geniuses at it. And so the result is... Um, it's not mutually exclusive. It depends on what you mean by money and what you mean by blackmail, but that's pretty much the way it works. You know, uh, they can lend you money and then you're a slave to that. Uh, if you have independence, uh, but you have a sexual weakness, they can blackmail you. And I think that there are elements in the Catholic Church, developments in the Catholic Church that are inexplicable unless we factor in the equation that I've just talked about, namely money and blackmail, to get people in, in places of influence to deny the gospel in ways that are otherwise inexplicable. All right, Doc, let's, it's one after six. Want to do uh, one more? One more. This is a good one um, from a user on Cozy. Uh, Dr. Jones, can you summarize the Catholic view if the Jews rebuild the temple? Is that the end times? Yes, I, I will go further than that. I will say the Jews will never rebuild the temple. But if they try, uh, uh, it, will be the, it will be the end times. It will be the end times. Yeah, I think so. We've, I, I said before that uh, the story of Julian the Apostate is in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Uh, they tried to do it then. It ended badly, and everyone agreed at the end that basically what God once destroyed, no man can rebuild. If they had built it then, all of the commentators agree this would be proof that Christianity was a false religion and that the Jews were the true people of most people of God and so on and so forth. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to get that far. Anyway, thank you for another great discussion. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. EMJ Live every Friday at 5. If you haven't subscribed to Culture Wars Magazine, subscribe to culturewars.com. And all of Dr. Jones' books can be bought at fidelitypress.org. Make sure to subscribe to our telegram. Bitshoot, Gab, Cozy. Cozy, we're almost at 3,000. For anyone who hasn't uh, followed us on Cozy, followed us. We'll get that 3,000 mark. And uh, I, Dr. Jones, um, is there a couple Fridays coming up here that you're you're going to be We're trying to work something out. I have to try. I'm traveling a lot now, so we're, we're going to work something out one way or the other. Okay. Well, that's that's the announcement. So any, any final words, Dr. Yeah, Jones? pray for peace. Pray for peace. All right, guys. God bless. See you next week.